0: I'm going to pick up from where Stephen left off last Sunday. Those of you that were present in the service witnessed his testimony and his journey in a Christian home. What I gathered from his message and his testimony was this. As you well know, Stephen never missed a Sunday all of these years that he grew up in our home. Everywhere, he was surrounded by Christian influence. He was baptized as a very young boy in water and in the Spirit. He was always obedient and faithful to his parents. Never once did he argue or he rebelled against us all throughout his teenage years and even as a grown man. And that is something that we are—we will always be so proud of him. He served as a drummer from the age, I think, of 15 years of age. And all of these things that he lived served as a good foundation. And we need to understand that church attendance is very important. I don't believe that you should, you should miss church unless you're out of town or you can't get out of bed. And even in that case, somebody should carry you because that's when you need to be in the presence of the Lord. I hear some excuses often, Pastor, I couldn't come to church. Why? I wasn't feeling well. Well, that's the time when you should come and allow the body, the family that you belong to and are part of to pray and believe God with you and for you and see you healed. Amen. Those who have ears to hear... Let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us this morning. Though church attendance is good, Stephen, from a very young age, he learned the principle of sowing and reaping. He never missed a tithe. He always gave out of what he received. And let me say this, but none of those things made such a difference in his life until he experienced the tangible presence of God and, as he testified, had this personal encounter with the blessed Holy Spirit. And then he began to bud and blossom, and a hunger and thirst was burned, was was placed within his heart, and he began to seek God and seek Him fervently. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. When it comes to these personal encounters with the Lord, where you have an experience with God, and that experience comes out of a personal living encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit, that cannot be substituted with anything else. All of these things that I mentioned, church attendance, giving to the Lord, prayer, they are not an end in themselves. They are to bring us into an experiential knowledge of God so that we can live with that experience and that presence of the Lord from day to day. And what I want to talk to you this morning about is the pursuit of His presence, the pursuit of God's holy presence. And I'm going to read from 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. These are very special verses to me. These are the words of David as he hands over the kingdom to his son Solomon. And among other things, he says to him, As for you, my son Solomon... Know the God of your Father, and serve Him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary, Be strong and do it. Now, the key word in these verses that we've read here is the word know. David David said to Solomon that if you will ever succeed as the future king of Israel, it will be because you know the God of your father. That is the key to your success. That is the key and the secret to you being able to build the temple of the Lord. Huge task. And that depends on you knowing the God of your Father. The meaning of the word know here is far broader and much deeper than just intellectual knowledge. But rather a knowledge that comes out of a living and tangible experiences with God. It is more experiential knowledge rather than intellectual. Many of us, all of us, know that God loves us. But if it's only intellectual knowledge, you will never be moved by that knowledge. You will only be moved towards loving God more than anything else, when that knowledge becomes experiential and you experience the knowledge of the love of God because you've tasted and experienced His love in your life. So, David was not talking about intellectual knowledge. He was talking about heart knowledge, experiential knowledge. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, to taste means to experience. Amen? This is the kind of knowledge David is referring to. He said to Solomon, I want you to know and I want you to experience the same God that I have walked with all of my life the one who anointed me and saved me. I want you to know the one who delivered me from all my enemies. I want you to know the God who comforted me, the God who provided for me, the God who protected me all of these years, the God who strengthened and empowered me to this day. If you know him as such, you will then be able to serve him with a willing mind and a loyal heart. Think for a moment. What was David endeavoring to communicate to Solomon? What was the counsel that he gave him? He wanted his son to experience... The all-sufficient God and out of this experiential knowledge rule and govern the nation he was releasing into his son's hands. It says you will not be able to govern the way God wants you to govern until you know, not intellectually but experientially the God that I have lived with, that I have walked with, that I have experienced, that I have tasted all the days of my life. One of the biggest problems we face in church today worldwide is that the knowledge we have acquired of God is more intellectual rather than experiential or spiritual. Sad. It is not the kind of knowledge... Uh, that, that comes out of a personal encounter with God, out of that personal experience with God. When you have that experience, the intellectual knowledge becomes heart knowledge, and you know because you've experienced and tasted that God is who He says He is. You have proved that word. It's not just in your head. It's in your heart. And it makes all of the difference. Because I believe once a person has that personal encounter with God and experiences His tangible presence and he tastes of his loving kindness and mercy, he will never be satisfied with anything less or anything else or anyone else in his life. He's ruined for life a divine hunger, a spiritual thirst is placed within that person and sets him apart from everything else. Hear what I'm saying. I know what I'm speaking about. That hunger... That God places in your heart once you've tasted and experienced the tangible presence of God, sets you apart from everything and anyone else, and puts you on an ever pursuing course for more and more and more of His presence. And that is what is missing from our churches today. Michael said something profound that he heard at the conference We are in a season of famine without hunger. I'm talking about spiritually. And this is what Jesus meant when He said to the woman of Samaria, Whoever drinks of this natural water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus was referring To a spiritual experience resulting from a personal encounter with God's Holy Spirit. That's what he was talking about. And that is what we are after. No matter how many times you attend church, no matter how many times you, you practice all of these religious things that we do, if there is no personal and tangible experience in your life, there will come a time when you will fall away because you have nothing to hold on to but just intellectual knowledge and a bunch of rules and regulations that have no life and no purpose in it. Are you listening to me? We should never be satisfied with just that. We should press in and experience what these mighty men of God experienced. Listen to some of the things that they were able to do simply because they had these personal experiences with God. This is the secret of the mighty men and women of God throughout the ages, who according to Hebrews chapter 11, listen to what they were able to do. He says, they subdued kingdoms, they work righteousness. They obtain promises. They stop the mouths of lions. They quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness, became strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received the dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection they were able to do all of these things because they had a personal encounter with the living God. They didn't just have intellectual knowledge about God. They knew God out of their own personal experiences because they have tasted the tangible presence of God and they were transformed into beings that were able to do the impossible. I asked the question, what made them such fearless individuals? They had tasted and experienced what we're talking about. The God of all sufficiency, the God of all power, the presence of the living God, which came out of the fervent seeking of God's face. These men and women were not indifferent when it came to the things of God. They pursued God. God was the highest priority in life. They loved God more than their own lives. Amen. They loved the Lord and His presence more than anything else. Look at Moses. What was his secret? What was it that made Moses such an exceptional man of God? What was the secret of his success, the secret of his humility? The word of the Lord testifies that Moses was the meekest man on earth. What made him to be such a kind of a man? What was the key to his ability? Not only to understand God in the way that he did, but also to release his power in such an awesome way. He valued the presence of God in his life more than anything else. And for the sake of hosting His presence, we read that He sacrificed everything that was dear to Him that could have prevented Him from experiencing God in all of His fullness. He had such a firm conviction that without the presence of God, He could do nothing. In fact, there was a time when God offered Him. He wanted to make a deal with Him offered him the promised land without his presence going with him. And Moses said, no, I don't want the blessing without you. If you're not going with me, I'm not going there. Please do not take us there unless you go with us. He would not move without the presence of God. He would not make a decision without the presence of God. And we are talking about Old Testament people. I am amazed at times how believers, born again, even spirit-filled, make decisions without even consulting the presence of God. They would change. They would go from one job to the next, from one church to the next, from one country to the next, and they do not even bother to consult with the one whom they call Lord of their lives. Why? Because it's more convenient on the other side. Or because they get a little raise. Hello? In Hebrews chapter 11, we get a glimpse of his journey of faith while in Egypt. And the choices he made as a result of learning how to host the presence of God. And we read in Hebrews eleven twenty four, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to identify as a prince. Imagine what he gave up. He gave up title, he gave up authority, he gave up riches, he gave up the glory of Egypt. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But what did he do? He chose, the Bible says, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Notice what he esteemed. He says he esteemed the reproach of Christ... Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the reward. What was the reward he was looking for? The presence of God. The presence of God. There will come a time in your life, my brother, my sister, when you will have to give up something that is dear to you, dear to your flesh, in order to attain a greater measure of his presence. It will cost you. But the cost cannot be compared with the reward that he gives. And the longer we walk with God, the higher he raises the bar. And many are stuck somewhere. Because they refuse to fully surrender those things that keep them from experiencing the fullness of the presence of God. It's a sad day when we esteem the glories and the pleasures of this world as greater riches than the presence of God. It's a sad day. Listen to what Paul said concerning this. As you recall, Paul's encounter with the Lord Jesus, he came face to face. He had... A heavenly, personal encounter with the risen Lord. And that ruined him for this present life. Completely ruined. He would not be satisfied with anything else but the fullness of his presence and the joy of being intimately connected with his Lord. Here's his testimony. Philippians 3, verse 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me... These I now count loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered, notice those words, I have suffered the loss of all things. Today, people come to Christ not to suffer loss, but to gain. But before you gain, you're going to have experienced some losses. You're going to have to lose the right to choose your own life. The right to make your own decisions. Hello? Amen? You cannot be a worthy disciple... Jesus said, if you love your father and your mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love a son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. And many are manipulated today by their own children, by their own spouses, to do their will rather than God's will. It's because they've not experienced or tasted the tangible presence of God. It will ruin you for this present life. Nothing will satisfy you but the presence of God alone. He said, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. Notice the next words. I have suffered the loss of all things that I may gain Christ, that I may know Him. This is the kind of knowledge we're talking about. This is not intellectual knowledge. This is knowledge that comes out of suffering many times, where you deny yourself the right for certain things, even if they are legitimate for you. You say, "Well, it's my life, it's my money, I can do what I want to with it." No, it's not. That I may know him," he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." What a testimony. What a life. What an example. No wonder he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me, he says. Follow my example. Look at my paradigm, my, my pattern, and live your life as such. And the reason we are not hungry for more of God today is because we have not pursued Him in such a way where we press into His presence and have these out-of-heaven experiences, encounters. And that's why we remain content and satisfied with just an intellectual knowledge. We don't know what it's like to taste of the heavenly gift and to bask in His presence, and to taste of His loving kindness and mercy. For some of us, it's foreign. Forty-three years ago this week, I'm celebrating my spiritual birthday this week. I like to celebrate my spiritual birthday, not my natural one. I was born in November 9th. 10th of November, 1952, but I died on the 6th of August, 1976. So my life began in 1976. And 43 years ago this week, I had my first experience with the Holy Spirit. God touched my life one evening at Eldorado Park in Johannesburg, and I was born again by the living Word of God. And that very night... Every time I recall it, I break into tears. Because I was lost. I was confused. I had no hope, no purpose. I lost everyone that I loved, including my wife at that time. And every relationship that God blessed me with, I busted up. I messed up big time. But that night, the Lord placed a hunger within my heart, a divine spiritual thirst that could not be satisfied with anything or anyone else. I have tasted of the heavenly gift, and that night, the Lord ruined my self-centered plans and my self-centered pursuits. From that day forward, this is my testimony as I stand before God and witness to you today. Until this day, I pursued God. I pursued His presence, and my experiential knowledge of God began to grow and dominate my entire life. And from one experience to the next, from one infilling to the next, I continued to pursue God and His presence, and my soul found rest in His loving arms. Hey, you don't know how I appreciated that peace. For years, I never had peace. There was turmoil. There was a war within me. The forces of rejection, loneliness, isolation, hatred found a place in my heart. But when Jesus came into my heart and I had that spiritual experience, all of these forces just walked out and He filled my life with His love. And I tell you, from one experience to the next, I journeyed. I literally experienced what Isaiah wrote about so many years ago. This is one of my favorite verses in Isaiah 26, verse 9. With my soul, he said, I have desired you. And in the night, yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. Sometimes I get up three o'clock in the morning, sleep goes. And some of my friends in the States, they see I'm online because they look at the WhatsApp and they say, why are you up so early? (laughs) The Lord gives His beloved sleep. (laughs) But then I quote them this verse. With my soul, I have desired the Lord in the night. And by my spirit within me, I'm seeking Him early. You want to quote scriptures to me, you better know your Bible. (laughs) Amen. As I say, these divine encounters just transformed my entire way of life and the path I chose to follow. Listen to this. I owe who I am today to this personal experiences and encounters with the Lord Jesus. And from one nation to the next... From one country to the next, I went preaching the gospel of his kingdom. And these experiences that I'm sharing with you today, they took me from one battle to the next battle. Because when you have these experiences, you need to know the devil is not going to leave you alone. He's going to come at you with all of His might, with His cunning deceptions, in order to distract you from what you received and steal from what you received from the Lord. And they took me from one battle to the next. And you know what? I've experienced His overcoming power and His abiding presence, delivering me, protecting me, comforting me and providing for me and my family every step of the way they brought me face to face with opposition fierce persecution with the religious hierarchy of my denomination but listen to this not once did i doubt the call of god on my life not once it never entered my mouth my my mind not once did I fear the threats or their intimidation. When they intimidated me and tried to scare me that they're going to excommunicate me and they're going to put my name in the news, and they did. Not once did I doubt at the call of God. Not once did I yield to their intimidation. Not once did I find it difficult to choose God's way above man's way. Not once did I consider the loss greater than the reward of His presence. And I ask you the question, what was it? Why did I not fear? Why did I not retreat? What was the secret of such courage? I didn't have naturally that kind of courage. You know the answer. I've been sharing it with you all morning here. The presence of God. Those personal experiences that I've had with the person of the Lord Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And these intimate encounters with the Lord enabled me, listen carefully folks, I'm, sh- I'm sharing something with you and I pray it will stay with you forever. They helped me to write my own story They helped me to live the life that God ordained for me and to do the works that God predestined for me to do. This is so important. My brothers, my sisters, listen carefully. Unless you have your own personal encounters with God through His Spirit, and obtain your own personal experiences with Him. You cannot write your own story. You cannot live your own life. And you cannot do the works that God called you to do. You will end up writing a story that is not yours. Living a life that is not yours, somebody else's life. And not only that you will lose yourself by occupying yourself with things that God never intended for you to do. Are you listening? No one can serve God with a willing mind and a loyal heart unless they know Him experientially, the way that I've described to you. You cannot rely on your pastor's knowledge You cannot rely on your spouse's faith and knowledge. You cannot rely on your parents' faith. You're going to have to develop your own. And unless you have these experiences, you will not know the will of God for your life. It was these experiences that shaped my future when I came face to face with the risen Lord and I've experienced His tangible presence and in that presence God spoke so clear and so loud that I had no doubt the path that I should choose. And unless you have these experiences, you're going to end up living a life that belongs to someone else. You will lose yourself in being occupied with works that God never called you or never intended for you to do. Amen? This is true. In short, you're not going to have any testimony to share with anyone. Amen? You will end up speaking about the God that someone else knows, or the God you read about in some book, or you heard someone speak of. But you cannot. You cannot speak out of personal experiences because you don't know what it's like. You will have no authority. And let me ask you this. How precious, how valuable, how important are these personal encounters with God? What price can we put on them? Why Solomon said the following, they are more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire Cannot compare with him. That's what Solomon said. I know God is faithful. When I say God is good, I know God is good. I know God is merciful. I know God is patient, because I've experienced His patience with me. I know God is gracious. I know God is the provider, not because the Bible said so, not because some preacher said so, but because I've tasted and experienced the goodness of God in my own life. And that's why I'm communicating this to you today. That which I have seen and heard and experienced and handled, I share with you today, hoping, that I would put some spark in your soul that will put you on a course of pursuing the presence of God, that you will not be satisfied until you find Him. Amen. 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 Until you find Him. Enough with secondhand knowledge. Enough with intellectual knowledge. We, as a fellowship, must press in That is why He gave us the call of consecration. What is consecration? Consecration is when you separate yourself fully unto God. Whether you are a preacher, or whether you're a nurse, whether you're an accountant, or whatever your calling in life is, God is calling you today, Consecrate yourself to me. Separate yourself unto me. Be obedient to the things I have shown you. Walk in the light that you have received and continue to grow from faith to faith and from strength to strength. Amen. The Samaritans say to the woman who testified to them about Jesus and they believed, they believed with the head, they say to her, Now we believe not because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him. Hallelujah. We ourselves have heard him, and we know. What kind of knowledge is that? We know that indeed he is the Christ. How did they know they had a personal encounter with Him? When Jesus remained in Samaria for a few extra days, they've seen and they've heard and they've experienced the person of Jesus Christ. And that knowledge did not just come out of someone sharing about God, but that knowledge came out of their own personal communication and contact and encounter with the person of Jesus. This is the kind of knowledge we are speaking about. David said to his son, and I repeat, know the God that I know, son, and serve Him with a willing mind and a loyal heart. And then David gives us the key which leads us to this experiential knowledge when he said to Solomon, listen to what he said to him, if you seek Him, if you seek Him, He will be found by you. That's an open invitation to you. When God says, if you seek me, you will find me. But you're going to have to seek me with all of your heart. I'm not a part-time God. And God, speaking through Jeremiah, said the same thing in Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen: And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. <coughs> Folks, hear me. I saw a vision this morning as we were worshiping. I closed my eyes, and I saw a stream of people coming through this place. And this auditorium was packed because they heard That there is bread in the house. You know what bread represents? The living presence of God. When we, as a fellowship, with one heart and one mind, fully surrender to the Lord and consecrate ourselves to seek Him with all of our hearts, there will come a presence in this house that will attract the sick, the blind, the broken, and they will stream through this house and come in order to be restored, to be healed, and to be delivered. They will come not because of good preaching. They will come not because we have good worship or good programs, but because there's a living, tangible presence of God in the house. And we can no longer rely on other people's faith or experiences. David said, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholds me. And then again in Psalm 27 verse 4 as I close. One thing, David said, I have desired of the Lord. Not many, one thing. Jesus said to Martha, one thing is needed. David said, one thing I have desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We can interpret in a New Testament language this, that I may dwell in the tangible presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of His temple. I ask you a question today in the name of the Lord, what is that one thing that you love and desire more than anything else? Ask yourself, what do I love? What do I desire more than anything else in this life? What are we pursuing? Who are we seeking or what are we seeking? And in closing, I want to share with you the the words the Lord shared with me to share His very words. He said to me to share with you, and He told me the same thing I'm telling you. When you come to the place where you value My presence more than anything else in your life, then I will fill you with Myself to overflowing. And wherever you go, you will be known as a man or a woman who loves God and loves people. Many will be drawn to you because of who you carry, and many lives will be touched and healed and restored. It is my presence that restores lives, heals relationships, opens the eyes of the blind and binds up the brokenhearted. Therefore, seek my presence above all else. Learn to submit and host my presence who lives within you, the one who walks with you, the one who desires intimacy and fellowship with you more than anything else. And in the pursuit of my presence, you will find life, fulfillment, and all you will ever need or desire.